Welcome to the One Solution Podcast. In this podcast, we're going to explore if there really is one solution to all the world's problems. And perhaps that solution lies in the mind. The mind is both the source of those problems, but also the solution to those problems. In the last webinar, we were really looking at why an individual shift in the mind leads to ripples out to create so much change in people's lives and really unexpected and far reaching ways. And then also how, as people begin to see more freedom of mind for themselves in their everyday lives, they begin to have ideas for how to make the communities and the systems that they're a part of better. So as people get healthier, um, communities and systems get healthier. Um, and so we talked a little bit about that ripple effect on the last webinar. And the purpose of this webinar is really just to share stories um, and people's stories of change. And the reason we think it's powerful, not just that stories are really entertaining, um, is stories are a really beautiful way to learn and get a feel for something and a knowing on a deeper level that goes beyond our intellect. It's very tempting to want to be taught something. Show me how to do it. Tell me what you did. How do I go do it? And um, sometimes I think it's helpful to just sort of bypass the intellect and help people get a feeling for something. And stories are a really beautiful way to do that. So mm -hmm. that was why we wanted to share some stories on today's webinar. I don't know if you want to add anything to okay. that. Okay. I, I would like to add something. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Are you guys there? I'm here. Yeah. Oh. Oh. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, um, sometimes, like, people wonder, like, how can, how can you feel like you can work with anyone anywhere, no matter the circumstance or background, even when you ha cannot relate to the same um, story or experience as they have had. And to me, stories, if you look behind what is being said, you can find a human universal truth. So if I go in and I talk with someone and they have a completely different background than me, you can still find in a story something that's universal because you're, you're sharing a universal uh, um, directly, yeah. like you're sharing a human thing. So I might say, oh, I got so upset because of my wife. And he was like, I can't relate to that because I don't have a wife. And then like, yes, because a wife is an example of a human. And any times we interact with someone, you can put it in any context. And that has allowed us to go in so many different places around the world because we can connect on a human level, what, what connects us as humans, what uh, connects us on, on more of a spiritual life force level, and then let the story, the context of the story just be a, a vehicle for that. Um, so I just wanted to, to share that because some people feel worried. I can't talk with these people because the stories that I tell are not the same as they're used to and that they are, they are. If you look behind the curtain, they are, it's all the same. Uh, stories really it's just the same stories going on so I just wanted to share that with people who initially feel like 
they don't have stories that could relate to the people they're talking to. Like, yes, you do. If you're a human, you can, <laughs> you can talk with people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it might be nice to start with seven if you're not bashful because we didn't have you on the last webinar. Do you want to share a little bit of your story? Um, yeah, sure. I think that both the points that you um, brought up were, were, you know, just really spoke to my heart and to my being in the, in the way that, or in the fact that, um, you know, I think it's really close-minded to think that just because your story isn't identical to somebody else's in certain ways that you can't still feel for somebody or feel similar in another situation. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. My experience... Um, my life was crazy as a child, the majority of the people that I know. Um, and I learned um, as a child, I was sentenced to prison from like the age of 14 to 17. Um, so I did a lot of programming or classing or schooling or just a lot of things revolved around like problem solving in the mind and things like that. Um, and so I had a, a little bit of taste of kind of an, I, I guess I would say like an enlightenment or a different way of living. Um, at a young age and um, I, I kind of did a lot with myself to turn that around and I was going to um, pre-law school um, when my crime actually happened um, so I had a really tragic accident occur um, that led me to prison for six and a half years basically um, which is where I met Anna um, I was in Coffee Creek so I was at the women's prison I was in the very first group that she came in and did um, and I also met Mara and you and um, in that same group, that first group, actually. Um, and then we graduated and I moved into the advanced group and continued to work with her until my release. Um, and upon my release, you know, I kind of questioned where's my involvement going to go from here? Or, you know, how can I still be involved with, you know, um, Alliance in some way, or you, Anna, and what does that look like? Because being on parole and having all the conditions and everything around, you know, how the prison system works, um, I wasn't sure what that would look like. And at first they told me I couldn't have any contact with her. And then they told me I could have contact as long as it was involved with groups and stuff. And so um, when she contacted me, oh, before the fundraiser, the Inside Women's fundraiser, and asked me to speak, um, I don't know. I was just kind of out trying to start things over again in life and um, staying focused on things. And um, it was through that program and actually through your story, whenever you talked to me about like the robotic mind and like being kind of in that controlled um, environment as a child as well, that stuck with me like so deep. Um, I kind of questioned Anna and the understanding um, and just the process of, you know, thinking um and stuff like that until you came in actually and it was you you guys talking and speaking to me that really helped me my mind to a different level and standing to a different level because like you said when you tell stories with people um you know that feeling comes that doesn't come from other people and so when you told your story to me that feeling came to me in a way that uh I passed on and I moved forward with um and it was so, Eric's um, story, right? What was your story, Eric? I don't remember. What was, was it? Seven. 
it, well, it was his, it was his um, telling me about like his childhood and his family and just always thinking like he had to do something better or be better in some way or advance. And he had that like robotic kind of mind and he would do this with his hand every time he talked about that thinking process. And I was just like, wait a minute, like that's totally what my mind does. And um, yeah, and it was, it was just a huge turning point for me. Like, I think that was the point where I kind of understood on a deeper level and I didn't question Anna as much anymore or, um, you know, not to be able to kind of follow her um, after that. And so it was really nice. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that just feeling and knowing more than anything else, Anna has taught me and this program has taught me and this the thinking and coming outside of yourself in that aspect. And like you said, I experienced that. Why wouldn't she want the entire world to experience that or other people that come from the same background as you to experience that true freedom within yourself. Um, and so that's why our communities get better because I want to then pass that thing on that same gift, that same care, that same understanding on to, you know, people around me. And I want to be involved community with more of an understanding and more of love and care and compassion you know and so I think that that's the ripple effect that you speak about you know and and that's yeah that's true I think that's just natural you know that's like the human way is to want better um you know and so I don't think it necessarily has to be viewed as being better or worse but I think most of society at this day and age view it that way um, and so I think it just has to do with the way you feel inside, you know, and, and what, where you want to go with that. So my story or where I'm at in my process right now. <laughs> Beautifully said. Thank you for sharing. Anna, I know you were able to join, but as a participant, not a panelist somehow. So if you want to jump in. Uh, no, I'm uh, good. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm the oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I didn't know if you were as trapped behind. <laughs> Not trapped. <laughs> trapped. I'm free. Yes, very free. And can I ask one question, Seven? Because I remember when we came in and met you, you say that that was a turning point, but I know you had already changed because the other participants in your program talked about your change and how visible that was to them. And I don't know because I didn't meet you before. But what was the change that they were talking yeah. about? Well, I think that I had come to a little bit more of an enlightened um, aspect of myself before I'd met Anna, just through like my native spirituality and, and Mari and my spiritual director. And so I think that at that point, the change that they were talking about was just my kindness as a person changing and my understanding or care for, you know, a, a wider variety other than just myself. I wasn't trapped in my own anger, pain or hurt or you know, um, remorse, regret, any of that anymore. And so I was able to kind of see outside myself for a little bit and started to open again, kind of care more. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is the progress that, to that point that they had seen. But the progress that I'm talking about, or I guess I should say the big turning point for me was the difference between understanding the way of thinking and the principles that go along with the Inside Alliance and, and that full shift in the mind behind it, not necessarily the heart behind it, but at the mind or the thinking process behind it at that point, after his story 
because before that, I mean, I, I'm sure Anna could tell you, I was kind of, um, I was, I was very questioning and very kind of pushy about certain things. And, and I really wanted her to explain things to me a little bit better. And, um, it wasn't until you guys came in that I was like, this totally makes sense to me now. And I know that this is true to me and I don't need to question this anymore or, you know, worry that this is just another tangent that I'm running off on in my path. You know, like I knew that that was where I needed to be right then. Yeah. It was crazy actually. (laughs) That's cool. You said something so simple, but I think it speaks to such a profound need in the world right now. It's like, when we start feeling better in ourselves, it's just the natural human way to look outside of ourselves and want to help and want to help others and want to help make communities better. And I think there's not really anything more to say about that than what you said, but yet the depth and the scale of that statement is so huge and inspiring to me. It's like, yeah, for every person that just had the shift that you had, that would pretty much solve all the problems in the world is how I feel when I hear what you said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Michael. Hi, Keetra. How you doing? Good. Yeah. Doing really good. Nice. Me too. (laughs) Michael, I loved hearing from you on the last webinar. Would you be up for sharing more of your story? Oh man, my story. Sure. <clears throat> uh, I just want to say hi and welcome to everybody who's out there. Um, you know, Eric was uh, talking about having relationships with other people and that you can always find something in common. <clears throat> um, you know, something that just keeps popping in my head is something that Mahatma Gandhi said. He said, become the change that you wish to see in the world. And so that's always been like a, a, like a life goal. My, you know, that's my journey. I've always been trying to evolve as a human being. And when I first discovered it, uh, this, this understanding, when I met Anna and, and, and learned what she, what she had to teach, um, I guess the one thing that has sustained the change in me has been understanding that people have different realities because I know for myself that I have a tendency to think that like I like to think that the way that I do things is like common sense and so sometimes you know when dealing and interacting (laughs) with and dealing and interacting with other people I feel like okay do it right or don't do it or get out of the way and I'll do it and um You know, so understanding that people come from different, that people are relating with the world around them um, and they're coming from a different reality, that's been really empowering to me, not only within the institution, but out here in the community. Um, A perfect example uh, of this is um, I went to prison, uh, my girlfriend's son, him and I got into an argument. He was 18 at the time. We were allowing him to live with us. And, um, you know, at the time he was just into smoking pot, you know, and just hanging out, playing video games all day. And 
you know, I was trying to be a, a, a good example to him, you know, and um, doing what I felt, you know, communicating with him in a way that I felt was going to help him, you know, not only evolve as a human being, but evolve as a man. And so, but it didn't work out that way. And that was because I was coming from, I had a different reality than he had. And so anyway, um, I had a couple automatic weapons in my house and uh, him and I got into an argument one day and he got really upset about that. And he ended up calling the police and sending me, uh, well, he didn't send me to prison. Um, he called the police and turned me in for, for having these weapons in my house. And I ended up going to prison for three years over that. Um, now, a second ago, I said that he sent me to prison, but he didn't. I'm accountable for the choices that I made. Okay, I was wrong on that, so I'm accountable for that. Um, but it's still a tough situation to deal with, you know, when you got family that calls police and throws you under the bus, you know, it's just like, wow. So anyway, um, learning what I learned within the institution, um, I learned about different realities. And I realized that the same was true, even in the situation with him. You know, I had a certain reality that I lived in where I made it okay to have automatic weapons in my house. And he lived in a reality where he felt like it was okay to, um, to do what he did. He, he felt somehow justified in that. And so, you know, being able to find my way towards a place of forgiveness and understanding of the fact that he lives in a different reality than I do has made things out here in the community a lot easier for me because, um, you know, I've, uh, he's family. And so I, you know, I've had a lot of experience, you know, I've had experiences with him since I've been out. And the one thing that I've kept in mind is the fact that, okay, he's living in a different reality. So um, like Eric said, finding ways to relate with certain things about a person, you know, helps bridge those two different realities, in my opinion. And so I feel like that's what I've, I feel like that's what I've done is I've looked for commonalities between the two of us as opposed to looking for differences. Um, I also realized that, you know, the reality that I was living in told, you know, my thought process was that, okay, I need to motivate, inspire, be a good role model, kind of, you know, light a fire under it, light a fire on him or whatever you know but that wasn't his reality and, and um so just knowing and understanding that has changed the whole basis of our relationship and it's it's actually really good you know him and i can sit down in the same room together and you know the rest of the family is not afraid to leave us in a room together by ourselves you know and you know they were really afraid when I first got out because they thought somebody was going to end up getting hurt. So it's like all that is all that is kind of just faded off into the background. So um, that's why what Eric said really, really touched me. Um, yeah. Answer your question. Yes. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's not something i just throw out there but i don't mind i just uh yeah it's been an interesting experience to say the least um and you know what's interesting you know the topic for for this 
webinar today is, you know, how can change happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time? And when I first, when I first started learning about this understanding and these principles, you know, I first, I thought it was like some kind of new age thing, you know, I'm like, all right, well, you know, this, this is a hippie thing, you know, but okay, you know, I'm open, I, I, I'm open to wisdom and knowledge anywhere I can get it. And so I just went in and I just listened and, you know, like seven, I was, you know, like, I need more information, like, tell me more, tell me more, tell me more. The problem was that I kept trying to intellectualize everything and it just, you know, it, it made it more complicated. Um, and, and, and that's another thing, speaking about, about people living in different realities and trying to bridge the communication gap between people that you're trying to um, have positive, healthy relationships with. The thing that really amazed me is the simplicity of it. And, and that's what I'm really, really inspired about with this understanding is the fact that it's so simple. But I understand that intellectually, like your intellectualness, did I say that right, um, can, can get in the way of the simplicity of this understanding. And, and, and once I understood and accepted how simple it was, you know, because I always, I was, I've been like spent my whole life thinking like, okay, like there's going to be some big magical moment, you know, when my life is going to just be different. I'm going to be this enlightened person and life's going to be super amazing and yay, you know. Um, and it actually did in fact happen. You know, I had a very, very profound experience while I was in prison. And that was when I first had my first insight and it all made sense and it clicked into place. And then um, part of the problem that I had was that I didn't want to accept the simplicity of it. It's too simple. Like, it can't be this easy, you know. And so coming out here into the community and applying the principles and, and what I've learned, um, I've learned to not intellectualize it even out here and not get in the way of the simplicity because it really is simple. And if you just give a person um, an opportunity to talk and express, you know, ask questions, express how they feel about things. You know, it, it really, once, once the other person that you may or may not have a problem with, I'm, I'm thinking of like a work environment, you know, you, most people you, you had or have may have, um, well, not you guys, but, <laughs> um, you know, there's always that one person that you just really just, God, man, I can't stand this person. And, Understanding that person comes from a different reality and understanding the simplicity of change. Um, I just present people with an opportunity to, sh to share what's important to them. And that in and of itself becomes a, a bridge between the communication gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michael. Yes, sir. Nicole and, and Jack, can, can you share a little bit from your perspective of working in schools? You must have seen a lot of both people changing, but also people initially um, maybe thinking like, what is this? Or, you know, <laughs> especially working with kids. Oh, wait, we can't hear you. Oh, no. No. Nope. Oh no. <laughs> she can just move her lips and you can say it, Eric, whatever you think it is. I'm I'm a really good lip reader. 
what's going on. No. Well, maybe while she's figuring that out, um, Michael, you're listening to your story. Um, I was thinking how there's everyone listening to you has some version, not the same. Uh, it, it all comes in different packaging, but some version of what you're talking about, whether it's the difficult person they work with or that, you know, to varying degrees, all of us have had things happen to us in life that have changed the trajectory of our lives in a way that were not what we had expected or wanted, you know, and you had a pretty dramatic one of those and that something that someone else did led to your spending three years in jail. And you can, what I loved in listening to your story, not just the story of it, but your face and your feeling, you're not trapped in what happened. You feel free, at peace. Uh-oh, did we lose Michael? <laughs> he was free. He wasn't trapped anymore. I was going to say. It was, uh... Free of this Zoom conversation. <laughs> free of this Zoom conversation. <laughs> But I was just really struck by that as he was sharing the story is you don't feel an ounce of resentment. And even when for a split second, it creeped in the like, and he sent me to jail. He's like, you know what? No, correction. You know, like he, he so takes ownership of his own life. And that to me is why when I gave that talk in Chicago and called it the superpower of the mind, which led to us meeting Dejan and then Patrick and moving to Chicago, it's like, it to me is a superpower. And that's why he said for him, it was this like, it was that big moment because to be able to experience something like that, but have the freedom of mind, the quality of feeling that he still have and has in his life today, you can so see how that could make someone bitter forever. Or you can so see how that would make someone have a horrible relationship with that person, potentially get out of prison and do something to hurt them and then end up back in prison. Like you can just so see the ripple effects in one direction versus the ripple effects in the other direction. And he's just this kind of like shining example of the ripple effects in a better direction. It was also really fun to, to kind of, like as, as he talked about, you know, he had some kind of profound insights um, that where the penny just dropped and the one with his stepson was kind of like a slow emerging uh, insight that he'd, it, would, it would kind of wave. It was, it was so fun to sort of see the trajectory of that kind of peace and, and kind of more love and acceptance and understanding kind of come in, you know, and also kind of not knowing he hadn't had any contact with him, you know, before he got out and, and, and then, you know, not knowing what that first interaction was going to be, because you can think, imagine what it's going to be like, and he'd have different experiences of what would happen, depending on where his state of mind was in the, in the moment, you know, and, and, and sometimes that looked easy, and sometimes it looked harder. But then you, you had no idea, or he had no idea what was actually going to happen as he showed up to the moment, and then, and then had that experience with um, his stepson. Um, and it was just sort of um, really fun to... To, to see um, how, well, the depth of, of, of Michael's understanding and how it's taken him in that, in that direction towards kind of love and understanding, um, not just with his stepson, but with other people as well. So 
Um, but it, I have to say, it was fun to be um, there as a, you know, it's always fun to see see that change start to happen, and it was it was profound. So I'll, I'll second that story of his that was just, you know, amazing transformation. It's funny too because the first time I went into a jail was with Kathy Casey, and I remember thinking, you know, learning about the mind has profound implications for all people, but there's got to just be some cases, some circumstances that are too hard, you know, that's just too hard to get over or too hard to feel free in. But when I went into the jail with Kathy and then later with you, Anna. Line. Oh, we can hear you now, Nicole. Yay. <laughs> I, I'll let you finish. I'm sorry. Let me mute myself. I figured it out though. Okay. Um, but I just remember walking out of the jail with Kathy and, and realizing that the potential of the human mind to reset, to reconsider, to think anew, to find a deeper space of resilience really was limitless. And I had thought it was in theory, but I had my own limitations around it in my mind. And I remember leaving that experience with Kathy and thinking, oh my gosh, there really is no limit to this. But then since then, I've had several different things happen in my life where I'm like, oh no, shit, this is a new limit. This is, this is even worse. This is worse than anything I could ever imagine. And I know that um, some of you know that just back in October, my brother unfortunately lost his wife and his two little kids to what we thought was a car accident, but it turned out to be a deeply disturbed person who ran into them on purpose. He was trying to kill himself and kill other people at the same time. And the amount of people that have said over and over again, like, I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how your family is dealing with this so gracefully or so well. And it's, it's just the same thing that Michael just talked about on our own level, I don't want to say on, our on a deeper level, it's all just people realizing it themselves. It's like knowing that you're either going to become imprisoned to what happened to you and become angry or become permanently sad, or you're going to see that choosing life and choosing freedom is within everyone's capacity unconditionally like even the worst conditions and that's what I think has been so fascinating to me on this journey from like when I first learned about the mind for myself I look back at the initial insights I had and how kind of simple and practical they were but I always thought I was going to come up against a limit you can have freedom of mind but not if this but not if that but not if this like I always in different parts of my life have realized that whether um visibly or invisibly, I've had limitations. I thought that there were limits to this. And I feel like life just keeps throwing more curveballs and, and showing yet again, that there really isn't a limit to it. And, you know, I'm here in California. And that's the reason I'm sharing it is because it is very fresh for us right now. And, and just being around my brother and watching him be able to just keep choosing to be that change he wants to see in the world, like Michael talked about. And there's, 
something so beautiful about seeing the limitless power of that. It's not that it's not sad. It's not that it's not hard. I'm sure that Michael went through a million days where he was so bitter and angry that, you know, his girlfriend's son made that call and that put him in jail for three years. And believe me, there's many, many days where we're bitter and angry, upset that that person decided to kill himself by killing my sister-in-law and her two kids. But, but to know that life is yours to choose and no one can take that away from you is the most powerful realization. And I think that on a, on a human scale, that's what we're all looking for. And I don't mean to say like it, it's only when it happens in an extreme, it happens on the everyday too. Like it really is the same as the person at work driving you crazy. Like It seems ridiculous to compare that to someone who maybe sent you to jail for three years or someone who kills your family. But I do think honestly on some experiential level, it is the same realization over and over again. It's that, do I think I'm a prisoner of this, this person, this thing? Or do I see a freedom of mind that comes from me and is indestructible? Hi, Michael. Welcome back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm experiencing technical difficulties over here. I'm good. Perfect example of what we're talking about, though. You know, in the past, I would be freaking out. I mean, uh, Anna's real fond of saying, don't put nothing on it. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah so my computer crashed and I just didn't put anything on it and just went through the process of rebooting and you know life is so much easier having this understanding I mean without a doubt people can benefit from this as soon as it clicked in my head I was like you know what man people out on the street need need this you know in the community and and I can't tell you how many times I've heard it said in group um you know this needs to be taught in schools. If I were to learn this when I was a kid, if I were to learn this when I was younger at some earlier point in my life, I probably wouldn't be in prison again. I, I, I wouldn't be in prison again or I wouldn't be in prison right now. I've heard numerous, numerous people say it over and over and over. And that was the one thing. And so that's when I made the commitment to myself. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go out there and I'm going to take this out there. and I'm going to do what, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, try to affect some positive change in my community. And, um, and then the iOS collective was born and it's exactly, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of this. So Mara, you were saying something. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I ended up telling a whole story while you were gone, but <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's good. And actually, um, Nicole was working on getting her sound up and I think she has it now. So speaking of if we were only taught this in schools, that is exactly what you guys are doing. Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Yay. Okay. Finally. Um, yeah. So we, uh, I'm with the spark initiative and this is Jenna, by the way. Um, we, uh, do, we teach this in schools and it is, I've just found it so important and little backstory. I, um, I didn't go searching for this understanding or, or at all. I didn't, I didn't, um, it kind of just fell in my lap when I got the job here with spark and, um, and as I started to go and, and, and teach this with kids, I was learning myself though. So I, I wasn't, I didn't know really much about it. I knew bits and pieces through some trainings, but then I was really out there 
sharing this and then figuring it out for me too. I mean, I can't, I think we kind of all do that though. We're still constantly picking up things and seeing insights in areas that we never saw before. So, um, I remember whenever I first started doing this and I was going into schools, I, um, I never thought that I would be able to go and stand up in front of a classroom full of kids and, and, and talk in front of them. And, and I never saw, I, I saw this understanding everything for everybody else, but I never, I, it was hard for me to see it for me for a while. And I understood it and it made sense, but it wasn't, I wasn't seeing insights fall into my lap right then. Like some people do. Some people are just like, Oh, I got it. Like, this is amazing. I, I figured it out. But I, I was thinking like, Oh, well, I'm not, I don't really know. I don't, like, is that person really not making me feel mad? Like, how is that? So mm-hmm. I had to really, um, as I was teaching this, I really, I was seeing it for myself throughout my life. So I would go to schools and I would teach this and I would, um, share this with them. And then I would go home and I would reflect on it a lot too. So it was really interesting how I was learning this. And as I was teaching it at the same time, it was really cool. But, um, one thing that I, that has really, I've come to, um, consideration with now is that I, my entire life, I was brought up being told that I was a very shy person. I was very shy. I won't go out and and talk in front of people. Even at one of my, um, at one of our family gatherings growing up, I wouldn't like, we all had to stand up and like introduce ourselves and say who we are and how we're related to my grandma and grandpa and all this. And I wouldn't do it. I was terrified. I hid behind my mom. So ever since that moment, I was so, I was so shy. But, um, once I started to understand how the mind works and how thought really creates these barriers around you, I started to look at that like, okay, well, this entire, my entire life, I was told I was shy. That's just me. That's who I am. I'm not an outspoken person. I don't like to talk in front of people. That's just me. But then as I started to really discover this understanding for myself, I was like, well, wow, that's, that's just thought too. That, that is not real. Why, why do I, and I hated that I was shy. I didn't like it. I wanted to be outspoken. I wanted to be out there more and push myself more, but I thought that's just who I was. And when, and being told that my whole life, I just thought that that's just me. But as I started to discover this, I was like, wow, my mind is just, my mind just thinks that I'm shy. I don't, I don't have to be shy. And when I discovered that I could just make that decision, like I, you know, that, sign above my head that says like, no, this is who I am became a whiteboard and I was able to erase it. And I'm able to change that now looking in that direction. I I'm starting to see myself unfold a lot more as who I am inside versus who I thought I was. And now I even catch myself going out more into my community and my own community and share this understanding with more and more people more voluntarily instead of being told like, go do this, go do this and be terrified to go out and, and share this and, and, and judge myself and, and think I'm not doing it right. But now it's like, no, I, I got this just like everybody else out here that's doing this. I can do it too. What makes me so different or so special that Mm -hmm. I don't have the same capabilities as everybody else. So, and I've been doing this for now it's almost four years and I'm still, still discovering things for myself and where 
um, where I, you know, where I want to go and, and, and kind of just erasing these, these barriers that I've created that I've had in my head for so long, but it's just so amazing to see that just, there's just this past weekend, I went and spoke at, um, it's actually, it was a church in our community that were talking about bullying. They wanted, they had a big group of, um, teens and then their parents be there. And, and I was like, sure, I'll go do it. And then I let that, you know, I let that wisdom come out and say, go do it, go do it. But then I was like, oh no, I just did that again. What am I doing? Oh my gosh. But then I, I was like, you know what? No, I got this. It's, it, sometimes you go backwards a little bit, but that's when I realized, okay, that's, that's fine. Like we all get nervous. We all get scared. We all get a little, you know, choked up in those situations, but knowing at the end that you're going to be fine is what I've discovered. And I really, really am happy. I've discovered that even though it's been four years now of me doing this, I'm, it just never stops unfolding. I don't know if you have anything, Jenna. Sure. Yeah, I'm, I've definitely been a shy person my whole life, too. Yeah. And um, going in front of the classroom, like, you get caught up in your head and all this thinking. But I've come to realize, like, it's not about me when I'm in the classroom. It's about the students and, and teaching them and showing them different, different ways of seeing things. And just being in the classroom, like, middle school is my favorite age to teach. I love teaching that age group. Mm -hmm. And just seeing them, like, the, the more shy ones at the end of our program, like, they see it for themselves like oh i'm not shy i can i can do all these different things i'm just getting in my own way my thoughts are just getting in my own way and so being in the classroom and teaching it at a young age like you said they that, that how beneficial that would be for you like i we see it with the kids we see it just with their confidence with their relationships with their parents they don't take things so personal from their parents because parents go through moods too you know so they see that they see that in the classroom that okay just because my parents are in a bad mood it doesn't have anything to do with me maybe they have something going on and their teachers yeah and their teachers for sure so i think that yes at a young age just them seeing it and seeing it for what it is is so beneficial and i I just love teaching it to that middle school age where they're, they're coming into their own and trying to figure out who they are. Yes. Yeah. They're really, that's, that's the age I see it where it's really beneficial because they are really, they're just going through so many different changes. And the fact that they're learning this, it's like, wow, they see other opportunities besides just these little things that middle school kids go through in their having to fit in and yes. look a certain way, dress a certain way. And Mara, your thing always is in the back of my head. Nobody can crawl into your head and make you feel a certain way. Like that is always <laughs> playing in my head. It, it, I mean, it's the truth. It's like our feelings come from what we're thinking, right? Mm -hmm. I want to ask these guys here, since they're so quiet, um, about, because uh, what struck me about like, I've heard you guys share about like the stuff that you feel like stories you've had about yourself that wasn't true, like they were sharing, but also stories that maybe people around you had about you. You have any examples of like stuff that you stopped believing or that you thought was true, but now I realized it isn't. And you won't share any of those. Who wants to go first? Me, okay. Oh, okay. And um, <laughs> I was growing up, a lot of you, a lot of people used to call me weird because I, I used to stutter. And um, when I get nervous or I'm like un uncomfortable, I used to just stutter. My words did not come out. So 
I used to think of myself as weird when I was like a tiny kid <laughs> because people used to be like, ah, stutter boy, Dejan, stutter boy. And I used to feel like an outcast because like I got put, because then nobody else in my classroom stuttered. So I'm like, I'm the only person that, 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 <laughs> I'm the only person that uh, stuttered when I'm like uncomfortable or nervous. And then I used to get sweaty. I used to just, just get weird. <laughs> and then as I got older, I looked more into it. And I was like, I'm just unique. I'm, I'm just me. And I grew out of that depression because I didn't know about my mind at the time, but it was like it, it it was still in there. So I knew that what 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 they were saying didn't matter. It was all about how I felt about myself. It took me a long time to realize that what what I realized that it it was like a big mountain was shifted up off my back because now I can look at the jokes as funny instead of them making fun of me. I I seen a I seen like a switch in perspective when I found out that other people's words or feelings cannot like affect man if, if I don't want it to in a way. That's cool. Uh, um how y'all doing? <laughs> What's up? What's up? <laughs> That's gonna clear the air first. <laughs> um I don't know I got a lot of stories. Uh um, 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 I say like, just like accepting things for me has always been hard. It's just like my biggest thing for forever. So um, I say like the thing that changed that for me, like, to where I just really had to ground myself and understand, like, in this experience, there's certain things that you can't control, like death, age, like, growing old, um, people getting sick. So, like, when I went through that experience with my grandfather, like, taking care of him for a year and a half before when I met Mara and Adik in Jackson, Mississippi, I, um, came to a realization that like, you can always strive, but it's like, or always like feel like you could change something or uh, like just really in the mode of like in your mind, like it's gonna be okay, but it's not like in certain situations. Like, when you accept that instead of like trying to change it or fight it, it make it easier like for you and you don't take as much like it's your fault why that person passed away or it's your fault why your grandma or whoever is sick and then like you know you could just have a different experience with it and yeah just from like dealing with like death person like that that just really like made me just accept everything and just be less calm like when the computer died or when I miss the ride or whatever. It's just like, you know, it's okay. Should we take questions? Sure. Anyone who's here, Somebody say, hey, Michael. you could either um, 
write the question or you can, um, I think you can put your hand up if you want to be on or you can write, I want to be on and you can write, uh, say the question live. So whoever has a question or a comment, if any of the stuff we shared struck you in a particular way, please um, ask a question or share in the comments. Helps us to let us know if we're just talking bullshit over here, you know? Really? Nobody? <laughs> it's probably someone typing. It takes, it takes yeah. I can share what, what people are, uh, just a, sh a short realization I had that it's kind of a combination because I hear in the stories, I hear I, I, a realization so I feel this control of my life that I didn't felt before. And then the flip side, I also hear, I also let go of all the things I don't have any control over that's not about me. And those two things are like, seems like they're crashing, but once you realize something, it's like those things are actually working perfectly together because it gives you the freedom to like not care about the stuff that isn't, has anything to do with you and then change the things that actually you can do something about. And I've been on the extreme end of both, both sides where I felt like I can do anything and I can overcome anything and I can change and I like everything is within me. And I went crazy when I got all the way over there. But I also went crazy when I went all the way over to like, nothing's up to me, it's all random, nothing matters, it's all an illusion, you know what I mean? And there's a, there's a point in the middle that your stories show where it's like, life always happens, it's a lot bigger than one human's life. Like life happens, it's completely beyond our control. But the whole world is also only happening inside you. So you, <laughs> your whole experience is only happening through your mind. So you have full say in that part of it. So I just wanted to share, I, I love hearing the stories about both those sides of it. All right, nobody has questions. I can share a story. Um... I got umpteen of my own stories, um, but I, I was just thinking of one that um, quite early on um, in, in me working in the first prison when I was in the States, there was a guy who was kind of a, he was, he was funny as hell, but he, and he was, uh, I don't know, he, he was um, challenging, really challenging, and, and he'd grown up with his father and like four brothers, and um, and he had a, and he he'd been a career criminal and been in prison all his whole life, in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and he had, um, he also was very vocal about everything. Um, and so he's one of those people in the room where, you know, early on I'd think, oh God, we've got one of them. Like, how how do we manage that 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 sort of whirlwind? He's like, you know, that peanuts. I don't know who that character is where there's just dust all around him and you're just trying to know. Anyway. Um, but with foul language and everything else. But um, anyway, he, he, on his DOC thing, was um, white supremacist gang leader. So he was that kind of mouth. Um, and we had, you know, a gay guy in the room and we had African-Americans in the room. And, and he, it was challenging because it, it was like, oh man, like how, 
he sees thought as real. Like he absolutely sees the other and he sees that he's this kind of way and then there's others. And his reality is, um, his, his reality is, uh, is, is, is the truth, you know, like um, it just is. And then when he started to have, um, he had an insight into his, his, him, like nothing to, do with ra- nothing to do with his racist thought, but he had an insight around, I'm good. Like, I'm okay. Like, I've got, I, I'm, there's nothing wrong with me. I've got everything I need inside myself and I'm good. Like, even after this whole life I've had and, and I'm good. And he, he just saw that, like, just that, I'm good. And it was just the smallest, most simple little insight. But then he had another insight. Well, if I'm good, then everyone is because I'm the same as everybody else. I'm no different. If I, I thought that I was different, but now I'm seeing that I'm okay, meaning I'm not the odd one out and I'm kind of, you know, I, I see I'm good and I see everyone else is good. Well, and then he started to form a bit of a friendship or he started to like the gay guy in the room. Um, and, and, and he started to kind of realize, I like the guy, I like, I like Cameron, like he's a human being. You know, he's not just the gay guy in the room and, and I can, like he's a human being. And so you, you start to see the construct of this whole scaffolding in his head start to look really different. And, and then he started to, to, to see, well, Cameron's just a human. Like he's just human. And that, that's kind of the, the fun thing about being in a group where you've got different gang leaders or you've got different races or you've got different people who have different ideas about different things and different realities, Michael was saying, you know, and, and it, it, you could just see that he recognized this racist thought or this white supremacist thought that he had wasn't actually his. And that he had, it had been passed down by his brothers and his father. It was just the way it was. When he saw that as thought, he saw that as a thought that wasn't even his. Like Nicole was saying, there was a whiteboard above his head that was like, you know, white supremacist that he was really proud of because it was just like, he's the, you know, this character. And and it was kind of strange because on the one hand, it was really insecure. And on the other hand, he was like, no, it kind of, I think, buffered him that that kind of sense of I'm I'm white and I'm, I'm, you know, um, better than anybody else. But... um, and he started to see that thought is not his and, and therefore it started to crumble. Watching him start to form relationships outside of what he thought was okay was, was priceless. You know, you started, because he's really funny and he started to have a good, he started to banter with some of the other people in the class and he's formed this really sweet relationship with, with Cameron who was gay and you know, I'd be in a different class on a different day and I saw him walking up the stairs, you know, with an African-American guy, like having fun, which you'd never see before. And when kind of going from that idea that, that we're all, we're, you know, that, that he's different to seeing that, that we're all the same and that there's far more that connects us than keeps us separate and that the, that thought, that one thought um, of he just thought every black person and this is you know this is just his idea that that every black person is a, is a meth, meth meth addict or whatever it was or a meth dealer or something and he's like saw the the made up nature of that thought it just disappeared like it just fell away and it it was such a it was such a beautiful thing to experience you could almost see thought falling away and him starting to connect with people that he hadn't connected with and I think, you know, he was definitely one of those people, like Mara was saying early on, I was like, yeah, no, that, no, 
everyone can change, but absolutely not him. It's just no, there's no way. There's just no way. Like he's fucking crazy. Like no way. And then when you see that stuff, that scaffolding start to fall down, like this thinking process start to change and like realizing who he was, it was like, okay, I, I got this, I can do this, you know, because you, there was that sense of he's just going to be this person in the room that creates all these, you know, this, this kind of aggro and stuff. And, you know, it's not that he's without his challenges and like shit goes, went down for him in a big way at some point after that, which had him come back to prison. But that changed, you know, and that never went back. And so I just feel like, um, you know, just seeing that change in an environment where sometimes you can point people out and go, yeah, no, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure that that can change. Um, and then seeing that change is is, is, is really profound. So um, I see someone else has a question, so I'll, I'll keep quiet now. I'm so glad you shared that story, though, before you got yeah, quiet. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so Nico has a question. Um, Hi guys, I love what you're sharing. My question would be if you could maybe speak to what's your experience of introducing this type of exploration with people or institutions. I explain, I am convinced that once we're in the conversation, change inevitably starts to happen, but have you found challenges to get the initial buy-in to even be open to the conversation in the first place? I'm sure we all have versions of that. Michael, were you going to say something? Go ahead. I just said that's a good question. <clears throat> oh, yeah. For me personally, um, I don't try to push the conversation. And this is an answer to Nico's uh, question. I don't, I don't try to push the situation. What I found is that somebody who's seeking whatever it is that they're seeking, wisdom, knowledge, just an empathetic ear um it th there's a way that like it just kind of happens organically it's it's really hard to explain but just talking to a person i would agree that you know change kind of starts to happen um so yeah um I've seen a little bit of a problem with people buying in. Um, I don't know how many people out there know the chicken story, um, but I tend to find that the chicken story is, it just, it's a really simple way for people to grasp the concept of, of what we're teaching and learning ourselves. And um, that's kind of an icebreaker and it's a little bit funny and it, it helps to break the ice. So that's what I found. Well, now you have to tell the chicken story in case people, I think you shared it on the last webinar, but in case there's new people on it. Is it the chicken? Well, Anna tell it. She tells it better in a much more condensed version. <laughs> That's such rubbish. That's such rubbish. Well, I, 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 it's your story. I know, but I like to hear you tell it. <laughs> Good me. Okay. Um, well, we were just having a conversation in one of our groups. I can't remember which week it was. And, um, and um, we were like, I don't think, I actually just think I'd read a, a Rumi poem, The Guest House, and seeing that, you know, um, all our experience coming through us, you know, as if we're a guest house, you know, that we let experience, you know, move through us rather than kind of deciding what to let in, what not to let in. And, and Michael kind of halfway through the conversation said, um, you know, I, I feel like my mind um, is like my house. You know, my house used to be so messy and full of crap and it was chaotic and noisy. And now I feel my house 
is, is quiet and the dishes are done and I've done the vacuuming, the beds are made and it's quiet and it's peaceful. And, you know, I'm sitting there admiring my house and then a chicken walks in and, uh, and we all like, wasn't, ex- we weren't expecting that. We were like a chicken. What are you talking about? A chicken. And, and he said, well, have you ever tried to catch a chicken? Um, it doesn't go well. There's dust that flies everywhere and it's chaos. But if you just let a chicken kind of like wander around, it's going to find its own way out the door on its own. Um, and and I, I realize that thoughts are like chickens. You know, if we go around chasing them, we create a whole lot of mess and a whole lot of chaos. But if we just let our thoughts kind of, you know, bounce right out the door um, the same way they came in, then um, it, it's just so much easier. And um, it, it, yeah, anyway. That, that, was my, that was my very short um, explanation of the chicken story, but actually Michael does say it very well, so. Yeah, so I find that that story is very helpful when talking to somebody. And, and usually after telling that story, it opens the door for questions. And once somebody starts act, actually asking questions, then, you know, that it, it, it makes things a lot easier. And I like to think that it makes the buy-in a, a lot easier as well. I, I Something say, people can relate to. Sorry, Michael. That's okay. Um, I think, you know, working in, in different prisons and, and having like multiple different groups and having people that come for various different reasons, you know, some because they've heard, you know, it is a great group, come and join it, or some they've seen a fly, or some of their counselors have suggested they come to group, or someone in a different program has told them to come to our group. Um, of course, at the beginning, you know, I feel like because there's, there's points in such a different direction, we're pointing towards people's health rather than what's, what's not working. We're pointing to what is working. And I, I think, especially with the population we're working with, people are so often told that there's something wrong with them, they're broken, they need fixing. And we're fundamentally coming from a different direction. We're coming from the sense that there's mental health inside every human being and that no one's broken and no one needs fixing. Something, something gets interested. Something inside people gets interested. From my, my experience, um, uh, um, but, then, um, uh, but then, if you know, then you start talking about um, what we talk about and, and, and our well-being, and um, and I, I think that it's difficult and it can seem complicated, even though it's very very simple. Um, I used to have some thinking about oh, are people getting it and. Is it, is it going well? Am I, am I saying the right things and everything else? And then, and then I kind of quickly sort of started to realize it has absolutely nothing to do with me because, you know, mind is within all human beings and wisdom is, is, is wanting to, to come alive, you know, and you start drawing it out or you start pointing to well-being. It does most of the work for you and it's inside each human being, which is why this is insight-based learning. And so people start to, something turns on inside themselves and so my experience is, you know, if people stay past week one, you know, you're going to get, you know, sometimes you get one or two. It's like, yep, no, this isn't for me. And it's like, sweet, that's fine. I never try and hold people in a room um, because it's, you've got to want to see something new. But in my experience, if people, you know, stay, are willing to, to stay in the room because they're starting to hear something that they haven't heard before, this resonates, oh, you know, I've, I already know this. It's like, yeah, we're sharing something that, that you already know. I'm not teaching you something you don't already know. This is within all human beings. 
then they feel a sense of ownership or they feel like they can do this too, or they're in the room and they can see something. And therefore it's a very different sort of conversation that I'm coming with something to teach or that we're bringing some knowledge that they don't have. Um, therefore I, I, you know, when people are in the room or they stay in the room, um, my experience is that, um, you know, everyone that stays in the room starts to have insights and see stuff, um, whether they, you know, and, and that's, that's been my experience. Um, and, and, you know, um, yeah, that's my experience. Um, was that answering any question? Yeah, totally. It did. I would like to add, even like, if, if the person asked like, even if I don't have anyone to talk to, how do I even approach people? And it, it reminds me of the worry guys have to go and, and, and say hello to uh, ladies they're interested in. It's the same, what do I say? Like, how do I, I I'm good if I'm, in a, if I'm introduced or if I'm in, in a conversation, but I have trouble uh, just saying something initially. And what I know about my years trying to do this is that Every trying to pick up ladies or no, trying pick up, to... not pick up ladies. Oh, okay. Just talking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just had to Didn't you continue? I'm your wife. I had to say something. Yeah. But um is that and I know this when people come to me with anything, I get an instant human vibe read. I get like I get a vibrate, like what's going on? Is this person trying to sell something, convince me of something, being weird, have some kind of agenda? Like everyone has that, usually like this feeling like, oh, can I chill with this person? And if that's the, like the main thing that I feel is important, uh, if, if you're a human trying to interact, it's like, if you pick that up with others, they're gonna pick that up if you're trying to come with something that you wanna share. So it's like cleaning your own, slate in a way trying to be as normal as possible just how you would be with anyone even if you're meeting a ceo of a company or this nonprofit or this teacher or this principal if you try to be like weird like you're trying to do something humans usually like sniff that out and whatever you say is going to smell like that thing you know what I mean? So I feel like the most important thing is just like, let go of the stories that we have about that, a that it's challenging initially, that it's hard, that I have to say something or that, that I, get to, I have to get buy-in in the first place and just try to connect with whoever it is. And then it is just approaching and following things. So that's what I would say is, is just like following breadcrumbs and trying. And a lot of times, a lot of people actually spend most of our we spend most of our times thinking about the people that we want to reach out to and thinking about how they might not how do i get by with those but if we actually tried it would be a lot uh easier and more obvious and more common sense so that that's what i would say about that but also listen to whoever it is and what do they want if you go to to when we met uh, these guys south side chicago uh that are young then i have to understand how is a young person's life in south side chicago and i have to really listen and we spent months like really trying to understand and build a relationship with that and then it's obvious what to do and if you want to go into the business world it's like 
you have to really listen, understand like what is happening in the business world here so that you can like follow the natural breadcrumbs based on where you're going. So that would be the second part is like whoever you're trying to talk to, you have to like really dis like listen deeply and just like be you and then everything else will flow naturally. Well, and I think just to demystify one thing, like what you're talking about, Adek, and what Anna talked about is it's only ever conversation between you and a human. There's no like, in order to get into this company, I have to talk to a company. No, you don't. You talk to a person. Or in order to go work with this nonprofit organization or this institution, like how do I get into the criminal justice system? Well, there's no criminal justice system. You're not talking to a system. You're only ever talking to a person. So when Anna talks about like, whether it's um, I put up a flyer or I go and talk to a counselor or I like all of her ways in which she got going doing the work, which started as one prison, then another prison, now a third prison, like it all just grew organically, but it initially started with a conversation with a human or a flyer on a wall that more humans would see. I mean, it's really, I think it helps if you can just totally zoom out and realize that the only thing that's ever happening is that you're coming in contact with a human. And then what Adik said is absolutely true is that humans pick up on feeling and they can tell if you're listening to them or trying to push something on them. And so whether you're, you know, totally at ease and able to show up and share a story like Michael talked about, the chicken. The chicken's a funny story and it's an easy one for any human to relate to if you're just having a normal human interaction with another person. So you could be having a conversation with the CEO of a company or the director of an organization or, um, you know, the superintendent of a school and the chicken story comes up and it makes total sense in that moment, but it's still just you having a conversation with a person. You're never going to be having a conversation with a system or a company or the world. You're always just going to be having a conversation with a human. And I think it helps to remember that. Like Adik and I had a conversation with the principal of a school yesterday, and it was just a very, very natural, easy flowing conversation. Actually, Patrick and Dejan sat in on it. And what was great is you could tell that it was a very relaxed conversation. And at the end, she's like, I'd like to invite the superintendent to attend this as well. Is that okay with you? We're like, great. <laughs> please invite the superintendent. That would be wonderful. Because she just felt at ease in the conversation. It made sense to her. What we talked about made sense. And then it looked to her like an obvious next step would be that having a superintendent also involved would make sense. But I think it just really helps if we can, you know, see um, the simple, ordinary everydayness of you're never doing anything other than having a conversation with a human or a couple of humans. That's it. And Anna's not having anything on it. And you can tell when she talks about it, those are what led the breadcrumbs to growing to now. Anna, I don't even know how many different programs you've run and prisons you're in and people you've worked with. A few. A few. <laughs> All right. I got something else to say too. Give it one minute. We'll yeah. Okay. Um, and it's also, I find it's really important when you try to share this, these, this understanding with people, you have to be really careful because the premise of this is that there's nothing wrong with you. 
And so if there's nothing wrong with that person before you start talking to them, then you want to make sure that the information that you're portraying is not alluding to the fact that there's something wrong with them, because that's a turnoff. That's a great point. Yeah, it's funny. We were saying that about this uh, program in the school, that inviting the teachers to attend, we absolutely 100% do not want the teachers to get the feeling that this event is about what they're not doing right. <laughs> Because none of them will come or they'll come and they'll be pissed off, which won't be helpful. <laughs> well, thank you all for coming. Adik, do you want to say anything about the next uh, webinar? When next that one is, is in uh, three weeks. Um, and then in that webinar, we're going to continue the conversations like we've done now, but also pull kind of the, the strings together and see how does these separate things fits into one and how can we show that we're talking about the same thing no matter where we are so okay and then mara what you wanted to mention something about the academy are we going to leave that for now yeah well it's just really a teaser at this point but the the ios collective which is the inside alliance one solution and the spark curriculum are all collaborating on these webinars and on this event in chicago and it's really us trying to ramp up to be able to do more together so that we can really affect community-wide change so that we can help people in different cities around the world around the u.s wherever begin to get a feel for whether you're talking about people incarcerated people uh, children in schools, teens living in communities that experience a lot of gun violence, that anywhere you go, as Adik just said, that this understanding of the mind is what unlocks individual capacity for change, which is what leads to community and systemic change. So the collective wants to be able to scale and grow and offer this to more people in more communities around the world. And we know in order to do that, we need to offer a place where people can go to learn more about this, to get trained, to be able to bring this into their community. So we're in the very early stages of designing um, an institute, a program that people can go through for their own professional development to be able to do this kind of community change work. So at this point, it's just to stay tuned to learn more about that. I'm in. Yeah, we're doing. <laughs> Me too. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. It's good to see you. All right. Nice to see you.